Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. Friday night, our first Friday night Canucks After Dark, coming at the back of an eventful draft day, to say the least. Uh, as always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How's your voice, man? I, you went long tonight. It's a little tired. I expected the draft to take three hours. It took about four, uh, but we rode our way through it. Uh, I'm going to sleep well tonight, and uh, and so will, uh, in my opinion, maybe the Arizona Coyotes might sleep pretty well tonight, uh, as they had a uh, very eventful day uh, on the draft floor. Uh, and of course, that's going to be our main topic for the night. But before we get too deep into this, I want to say yeah. thank you, everyone, for tuning in on a off night, a Friday night, our first time doing this. Uh, and of course, because it's kind of what most podcasts would call an emergency episode, right? Something mm -hmm. big happens. We need to reconvene, even though we planned this weeks in advance. Uh, but it works out anyways. And uh, we've got a lot to talk to you about tonight. Indeed. See, I was smart. I, I'm glad that you did the whole first round and... And uh, you got good viewership and deservedly. So I knew that I was only going top 10. I, I, it's like my master's paper saved me. Um, so I just did top 10. And then, of course, we're, we're texting throughout the day saying, what are we even going to – there's no Canucks pick even in the top 10, the top 30, the top anything. So, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. As the picks went up the board, I know we'll talk about this later, but as the names went up, you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, at least the Canucks weren't going to – have to decide to pick him and blah, blah, blah. But I, I know we'll get into it. But yes, an eventful day to say the least. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so let's get started with the biggest news of the day. Uh, and that is Rasmus Ristolainen getting traded to the <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers. Shocker. That, that had me for a pick. Uh, Of course, we'll get to that trade later on if we have time. But the I mean, let's just get into it. Okay. Draft day was today and we have heard the, the rumors in the wind forever. Uh, that the ninth overall pick has been in play. And if you remember about a year ago, the Canucks were all in on Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, which might have been part of the reason why Tyler Toffoli never got signed because uh, the Canucks ran out of time, mm. uh, which seems to be a theme sometimes. Uh, and the big news broke today. And if you sort of think about how everything went down, uh, the first thing we got was uh, basically a tweet from an Arizona uh, sports columnist basically who said sounds like Oliver Ekman Larson is going to Vancouver. Hmm. It's like, all right, uh, this could be very bad or <laughs> very okay. Uh, and then it says Connor Garland is also going to Vancouver. And I, my reaction is okay. I love Connor Garland. I think he's a very good player. What's the return? And the, the fear was that the ninth overall pick would be involved. And that was the case. So details coming up on screen right here so the vancouver canucks send the ninth overall pick in the draft um and then three deadweight contracts basically in louis erickson jay beagle and antoine roussel so a, a good cap dump uh right and if you were looking if the canucks were trying to compete for a stanley cup this year you'd probably have to get rid of the ninth overall pick just to get rid of those contracts anyways um in return they get connor garland who is coming off of basically a season where he put up a 65 point pace. If it were to have been a full season, uh, 25, 25 or 26, I think he's 25, uh, 25. Yes. 25 year old restricted free agent coming from Arizona, who was really the best player on that team this last mm. year. 
uh, and Oliver Ekman Larson, who is a defenseman who is uh, who was very highly touted uh, at the early stages of his career, uh, became the captain of the Arizona Coyotes, signed a big contract, and sort of fell off since then. Arizona also retaining $1.2 million in salary out of this big uh, $8.25 million contract that uh, that Oliver Ekman Larson has. Um, so, Clay, what were your initial reactions to this trade? Well, and I think you were trying to make the Canucks look better. We don't even have up there that they also traded uh, two other draft picks. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you probably couldn't fit it on the banner. A second rounder next year and a seventh rounder in 2023. So a lot of assets. So I know, Parker, we, there's so many ways to look at it. Short-term gain for long-term pain. There is the money changing hands. There's the, the lineup that gets better automatically. There's so much to talk about. And actually, one thing, Parker, I, I've also heard, I, I heard 1.2 million retained at the start. And then I heard 12.5%, um, which turns out to be 1 million. So I'm not sure what it finalized. I think it was 16%. I, okay, okay. So regardless, we're on the hook for seven, basically $7 million of the 8.25 yeah. salary. So my first reaction and I, I don't want to spoil everything we're going to talk about. So I think my first reaction was if Ekman Larson can revive, rejuvenate his career here, I'm okay with the trade. I, I don't love it, but I certainly don't hate it. If Ekman Larson can play well, I'm fine with the trade, but that is a big if, of course. And I think that's what it hinges on. We know Gar Garland's going to be great. 39 points in 49 games. That's amazing. That's And then, yeah, we know that of the 12 million going out. So there's so many... So many parts to it, but I think it hinges on if Ekman Larson is going to be good or not, quite frankly. Yeah, and so I think that's what we need to spend the most time talking about is Oliver Ekman Larson, because that's really what the deal hinges on, right? Because uh, yeah. if you look at in a vacuum, it's the Canucks getting rid of three bad contracts that were going to expire at the end of this year anyways, right? The Canucks yeah. were that close to being just off the hook. It was over anyways. Uh, and they're able to bring in Oliver Ekman Larson at $7 million for the next six yeah. years. Now, if Oliver Ekman Larson were a $7 million value defenseman, then this would be a crazy good trade, right? Mm -hmm. um, but Oliver Ekman Larson recently has shown that he might not be. So if you are someone who goes on to Elite Prospects or HockeyDB or your your hockey stat website of choice, and you were to look yep. and you'd say, oh, well, Ekman Larson had 24 points in 46 games this year. That sounds pretty good. Uh, he yep. was a minus 17. That doesn't sound very good. Um, but you look at that picture and you think, well, oh, he's a guy who can put up some points and he's probably a fine defenseman. Um, most of those points come from being on power play one, uh, sort of running the show there and getting, you know, 20 plus minutes of ice time because Arizona doesn't have great defensemen to begin with. <laughs> um, so sort of the, the people who just look at the stats can look at that and say, all right, you know, he looks fine. Um, yeah. the issue comes when you look at. Uh, more of the analytics side. And I saw people on Twitter being like, yeah, the eye test doesn't really work either for OEL. Uh, I personally, I haven't watched a lot of Coyotes hockey this year because uh, yeah. they weren't in our division. So I didn't really, I yeah. didn't care to see them play the St. Louis Blues seven games in a row. Yeah, you didn't uh, want so, to fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew it wouldn't be very exciting <laughs> hockey. Um, you look at the the analytics crowd. Uh, so there's two uh, people who I like to go to and that's Dom Lucision at The Athletic. Uh, he has a model that basically shows uh, how many wins someone will contribute to a team projected over the course of a year. If someone's you're going to say J fresh, right? You're going to say J fresh. J fresh is the yeah. other one. Of course. So awesome. Dom Lucision's model is basically if you're at a zero yep. wins added, then you know, you're about a replacement level player, right? You're someone you can go grab for a million and a half bucks, whatever. 
Uh, Ekman Larson, the last three years, has been right around there, slightly above, but right around there, probably salary value wise around two, two and a half million dollars. Awesome. And Jay Fresh's model uh, basically puts everything on a percentile level. So uh, you can be in the X percentile of players. Elias Pettersson, for example, is in the 95th percentile of centers, according to this analytical model. That's yep. great. That means only oh, 5% yeah. of, of centers are better than him. And that's probably about right. Um, like Jack Eichel's like 98%. Um, that's just like your grades in high school, right, Parker? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you look at guys like Oliver Ekman Larson and it's, and you start to see single digit numbers. And that's where it starts to get a little concerning. Um, so yeah, it, this trade entirely hinges on Oliver Ekman Larson because in a vacuum, getting rid of a ninth overall pick and three bad salaries and bringing in a really good young RFA who could be a 60 to 70 point player and fills a need this team has, which is a second line winger and really rounds out this top six into a really nice looking group. The yeah. problem is, you know, is this salary cap going to hinder this or is the salary hit going to hinder the team enough in the long term to prevent, of course, the ultimate goal, which is to win a championship? Wow. Well said. There's so much here. There's so much here. And I, I like how you referred to, yes, Oliver Ekman Larson has 0.5 uh, points per game for the past five years. And before that, he was even more than that. But you're right. Uh, you got to look at the other stats to the the J Fresh model, the Dom decision model, and uh, so that that'll be interesting to see. I I I, I kind of want to look at the money part too. There's so many aspects, but if we're looking at pure salary cap, yeah, six million Louis, three million Beagle, three million Russell. There's twelve. Yep. And as we said, we're taking on seven of the eight point two five. So Connor Garland only made eight hundred grand last year because he was an RFA, and he blew the 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 doors off any type of model you want to look at. He's in line for a race. Parker, I've heard some people say low end three. I've heard high end five. So basically, you add that to Ekman Larson seven. We're coming out a tiny bit ahead, maybe, on, maybe. on the salary cap. Yeah. But and for I one think, year. And I think and I think paying Connor Garland, even if it's like four and a half million dollars, if he's a sixty-five point player, that's a steal. Right. Yes. Like I'm not gonna complain about that. Um, but also this Connor Garland contract you just mentioned, he made like no money last year, right? Eight hundred grand. <laughs> Well, that's why uh, entry-level contracts and uh, and RFAs are so valuable. And that's part of what makes giving up something like a ninth overall pick hurt so much. Because yeah. if three years from now, the Canucks are genuinely trying to compete for a Stanley Cup, what helps your salary cap a lot? A guy making $900,000 that puts up 40, 50 points for you, right? Indeed. So that is uh, you know one part of the equation. Um, I've also seen the argument uh, come up a lot that Oliver Ekman Larson uh just quit on arizona uh the hmm. organize and there's reasons for this right the organization sucks we saw the quotes coming from connor garland uh during his interview today basically saying like yeah it's a it's a disaster um they don't communicate it's a terrible place to be um so in that case i can kind of see why someone would sort of quit on a team however if you're looking at a guy who, and, and maybe you're, you're thinking, look, he's going to bounce back and at least be decent because he didn't want to play for Arizona. He's going to want to play here. The Sedins are here. There's a great Swedish history. He's going to, he's going to revitalize his game in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, maybe it's very possible that that's, that's a case. Um, but it shouldn't be the reason you trade for a guy, right? You should trade for him knowing what you're getting up front. Um, you know, it's like, it's like buying, it's like buying a, a phone or something that doesn't work very well, 
and you're like, yeah, but they'll give it like a software update to fix it, right? Like it'll it'll mm-hmm. just get better. But like you 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 pay for something based on what they're doing now. Uh, and yeah. in my opinion, it's based on the last few years. Oliver Ekman Larson just hasn't been great. Uh, and even if he had been just fine then I would be saying, okay, you know what, we're getting a fine defenseman, but now we're looking at, you know, Tyler Myers makes a ton of money and Oliver Ekman Larson make a ton of money, and these are two defensemen that at least analytically just don't really hold up. Yeah, your phone example reminds me of when I had the Palm Pre for so long before I moved <laughs> to my iPhone. Good, So good analogy. Here's the thing, Parker. I think um, what's frustrating and what's confusing or exciting people, depending on which way you come out on it is everything you said about Oliver Ekman Larson is true. And it's because Jim Benning wants to make the playoffs this season. And you forget about money, forget about, forget about contracts. If you're looking purely at roster, I know we'll get into this, that Jason Dickinson was a tidy piece of business. Absolutely. And now you have a top four, it used to be a top pairing D-man and your second line right winger. That for no, for really a guy who was going to be in Abbotsford, a guy who can't stay healthy and another guy who can't stay healthy. So the actual team is better on paper for this season. They want to make the playoff. Yeah. And he's used the word aggressive and we we saw it. He said, this has been in the works. So I I think that's the tricky thing. And then we don't want to get in this whole argument of all you got to do is make it in the playoffs. That's for another topic, another podcast, by the way, you notice that we have like 90 people in here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, people are, (laughs) people are here to, here to talk about this. so. So, Yes. So I, I, all I'm saying is you can see why Jim Benning does it. We also, we got to talk about Benning's only got two years left on his contract. And if he doesn't have a good first year of those two years, guess what? He might not even see his second year. So yeah. many things, so many things. Absolutely. And, and part of it, you know, comes down to um, weighing the present and the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And look, we've been through six, seven years of just, garbage hockey right let's be frank right the willie d era um (laughs) was was painful the last few years i mean we had that little bit of joy which i think made last year worse uh going into the bubble and, and having success made last year feel even worse um this is the kind of move in my opinion that a a team like trying to get over the hump would make right okay this is a move i would see like like toronto maybe like get like get rid of some bad salary for one year we're going all in right now um, but it's kind of like, like, like the, the, the balancing of the present and the future where it's like, yes, the Canucks get rid of three bad contracts, objectively a plus the Canucks bring in a really good winger, objectively a plus they bring in a defenseman who might be a little bit overpaid this year, but Hey, we're still saving money this year. So this year yeah. th- it's going to be a very good thing for this, for the team, for this season. The yeah. problem is all of those bad contracts were about to expire. And now we've added, you know, another 7 million that isn't going to expire for five more seasons after this one. Mm -hmm. The analogy I sort of thought of was like, it's like going to prison and it, you have been in prison for years and you get out in two weeks, you're two weeks away from getting out of prison. And then you go and do something dumb in prison because you, (laughs) you needed X, Y, and Z. And now you just got, you just got four more years added onto your sentence, right? You were two weeks away. The Canucks were, the Canucks were a year away of just a bit of suffering this year. And, and they could have just pushed it to next year. Let's say the Canucks wanted Connor Garland so bad that this, they just had to do it now. Yeah. Why not just have made them just try to do it next year? Right. When Mm -hmm. you don't have these bad contracts that you need to use, that you need to try to sweeten. Right. You need to like be like, all right, well, we got to put the ninth in because we're trying to get rid of these three bad contracts so we can sign Pedersen and Hughes, but still sign Garland. And it's just a bunch of it just feels very short sighted. 
It's funny when you're talking about those prison analogies. I would say you watch a lot of Netflix or something. That was pretty. Uh, that was pretty impressive. I think. Oh gosh, there's so much to unpack here it's because so the other, much. yeah, <laughs> the other thing is, is uh, so. I, I like how you've laid it out very, very intuitively. I will uh, agree with everything you said, and I will also look at a, a more positive spin sometimes. And there was fear that they were going to buy out one of those. Probably not, but at least yes, I hear you. $12 million would have come off, but um, at least by not buying these contracts out and actually trading them, there's no repercussion of a, a lingering contract for an, a second year. But that, that's admittedly a, a small thing. I look at as let, – let's go back to Ekman Larson, then we can talk about Connor Garland. Sure. For Ekman Larson, let's say that he's going to take Edler's spot, and he's probably he wears the same number too, so it's kind of obvious, I, th- I think, obviously. So now you have Ekman Larson, you have Hughes, and one of Rathbone, you Levy on the left side. That That's set, your left side set. Yep. Let's say Schmidt actually comes back now. Let's say they don't entertain, although they should because that's $6 million. But you go Schmidt, Myers, and let's say you somehow bring Hamannick back because you have money, because you, say, buy out uh, Vertanen. That top, that six demon, that's way better than last year. You're bringing in Rathbone and Ekman Larson for Edler and Ben. I like that, don't you? Kind of, but, I mean, just okay. looking at the analytics side, right? Um, yep. Replacing Edler with Oliver Ekman Larson, at least just analytically, is kind of, of a wash. Okay. It's like, I don't, th- I like, maybe it's worse. Maybe it's better. I haven't like actually looked into it, but yeah. it's probably going to be pretty similar. Um, just based on that. Now, again, if he regains his form and I'm not saying he won't, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, trends don't usually do this at the end. Right. <laughs> um, so sure. Maybe that's a wash. Yes. Rathbone is going to be better than Ben. I, I am so sure of it, but yep. remember this, this connects defense wasn't it wasn't fine last year. It was bad True. last year, right? True. So getting marginally better on the defensive side isn't enough in my books to have say to say like, oh, the defense is getting we're on the upswing. It's like, okay, well, we got a little better, mm-hmm. but it's still not going to be a, a top twenty defense in the NHL. I don't think. So how do you fix it? Do you think? I don't know, and I think it's one of those things where you know it's it's tough to fix because if you try to do it all at once, right, you run into the problems of assets, right? The Canucks are out yeah. of picks, right? They don't have any. They have forty first tomorrow, but if they trade that and literally pick no one in this draft, that would be pretty insane. Um, and they and they don't really have much cap room, right? So there's not much you can do to fix it, and that's why most people are saying, you know, let's have this one year of pain. We'll make a ninth overall pick. We'll just try to reset these cupboards a little bit. Like let's 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 build this naturally and let's push forward for that two-year window that Jim Benning yep. had said. Um, but making this move um, makes yeah, the forward groups are a lot better. Um, and I think I think this is probably a playoff team now. But how? But is it instead of being a playoff team from two years from now to seven years from now? Is it now from this year for the next couple of years until that Oliver Ekman Larson deal starts to really get bad when he's 33? Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, I love what you said about the, the logic of, of yeah, all, all these contracts and long-term and that, yeah, you want to build a winner, but obviously Benning is trying to build a winner now. And I think that's, yep. that's the tension. That's the tension we're feeling. Right. Um, yeah. Are you, can we move on to Connor Garland real quick? And can Absolutely. I can I set up maybe what the forward lines may look like, and we just yes. start talking about them? Cool. Yeah, because it's going to look good. Yeah, I think we'd agree. If you keep the lotto line together, that's nice. You have Pedersen between Miller and Besser. Now you can move Hoglander to his natural left side with Horvat and right-handed Connor Garland, and then wow, Pearson and Podkolzin 
flanking Jason Dickinson. Sign me up for that. And then you have Mott and Highmore on your wings on your fourth line. And then now you do got to find a Sutter, a Boyd, someone to play that fourth line center now that Beagle is gone. And by the way, Parker, maybe that's why Jim Benning said yesterday or today that yesterday that he actually was talking to Brandon Sutter mm-hmm. because he had this Jay Beagle deal in line. So that top nine, wouldn't you agree, way better than what we iced last year? Absolutely. And, you know, we look, I mean, just going line by line, right? The lot of line yeah. has proven that it's a, a really good line, right? Whether it's, you know, even if it's not like a top 10 NHL line, which I would argue it's pretty close, depending on JT Miller's mood <laughs> on the yep. day. Um, look, that's that's a, a really high production line. No you're going to have you're going to have Brock Besser scoring 30, 35 goals. You're going to have Elias Pettersson putting up 80 points and you're going to have JT Miller, you know, just being JT Miller, right? Causing a ruckus, putting up a bunch of points and, yep. you know, being a really good player. That second line now, you actually have a good, like a, a strong second line that can score some goals, right? Yeah. You have Bo Horvat, who has throughout his entire career been flanked by players that can't help him, right? You know, putting him with, with you know, Jason Megna isn't going to help him, you know, score some goals. But <laughs> now you have Niels Hoaglander, who showed this year, you know, barring a sophomore slump, showed this year that he is going to, he just doesn't stop trying. Like he just goes into every corner. He wins every battle constantly. He can go get pucks for you. You have Horvat winning all of his faceoffs, And then you have Connor Garland who, I mean, literally put up 39 points in 49 games this year and was the yep. only real bright spot for the Arizona Coyotes this year. As yep. a second line winger, if you have a second line winger putting up, let's say he puts up 60 points next year, which sounds like a lot, but he was on a 65 point pace this year. Let's say it's a little worse. Let's say he puts up 55 points. Well, first line caliber players are usually about 50 points, right? Like, I think it's like the top 96 forwards, like the cutoff, which would be your your top three forwards on each team. Mm -hmm. It's about Mm -hmm. 50 points. So you would Mm -hmm. have a first line caliber winger, maybe a low first line caliber winger, but a first line caliber winger on your second line. You would have a low first line caliber center on your second line in Bo Horvat. And then you would have Niels Hoaglander who... I mean, I'm never going to bet against, I think like he'll, he could just literally keep getting better forever because his work ethic is insane. Um, and I think, I think he's already a second line caliber player and we could see him develop into again, maybe a potential low first line caliber player. Yeah. If you can do that on your top two lines, you are laughing. Yeah. And then, and then you mentioned the third line, right? You have Jason Dickinson, who is a bona fide shutdown center and elite at that job. Um, and you have him flanked alongside two guys who one is completely unknown, right? Vasily Pod Colson, we think he's going to be good, but again, yeah. it's his rookie season coming from Russia. It's a new country, new city, new language, right? There's going to be hiccups for, for Vasily Pod Colson, but you're going to put him alongside a guy like Jason Dickinson, which means Pod Colson might have a little more freedom to make some mistakes. And a guy like Tanner Pearson, who's also a veteran presence, who, while he might be a little overpaid uh, is, you know, still definitely good enough to play on a third line. And uh, yeah, like you said, this top nine definitely is going to be better for this season. Yes. I can't wait to see what Vasily of Podslovens does. You know, one other thing about Hoglander, I I tweeted out just as, as I finished my walk, getting my 10,000 steps and setting up my, my setup. It's crazy. Hoglander out of all the 2019 draft picks, he's played the fourth, most games out of everyone, only behind the top three of Hughes, Kako, and Kirby Doc. That's pretty good. It is that's pretty really, good. And that's amazing, actually. 
like my first instinct would be like yeah well it's an easier roster to crack but then you look yeah. at it it's like yeah but the way he played he could have cracked any roster in the nhl this year I agree. like he I agree. he was a true nhl player found money this last yep. year yeah and he was i am i'm the world's biggest niels hoaglander fan i like every that was the bright spot on the in the dark days of what was that was that april <laughs> when it was yeah. just the the death march after the COVID outbreak it was like well at least yeah. we get to watch hoaglander mess some stuff up and he was he was really good yeah. uh so yeah i will uh, i will always root for niels hoaglander and i think he, <laughs> he really has the potential to be you know a 50 to 60 point guy so I was watching some Connor Garland highlights. You know, he's not that big, but that doesn't mean actually he's the fastest skater. I, that's what I noticed. But he can go to the net. Like, he's fearless. He goes to the net. He's got a nice release. So, obviously, you if you need you get 39 points in 49 games, you're going to be good. So, imagine if Besser is struggling or if they want a different look. You can just swap those two guys, and you're not really having much of a drop-off. So, I love what you said. There's some versatility now. You're not playing Pearson too high in the lineup. And if Pod Colson becomes a revelation too, imagine him fighting for uh, to crack the top six. I I'm excited about the forwards of our team for Me sure. Too. And did you see <laughs> Connor Garland had a quote today when he got interviewed, and mm. he was like, he was like, I like just being in front of the net. That's where the goals are, is what he said. And it's like, yes, yes, we've had so many players where we're like, yeah. just, especially one in particular, it's like, just go to the net, just go, yeah. just drive the net, like do something. And yes. now we have this guy who, yeah. I mean, could play on a first line potentially. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's uh, he's going to be a guy who just stands in front of the net. Uh, and, Although and I, I do that strategy on my roller hockey team, Parker. It doesn't work for me. Um, <laughs> maybe I, there's some, I'm not doing something right, maybe. <laughs> it's, I think it's the lack of the mustache. That's okay. the problem. Oh, that Connor Garland oh, mustache. And by the way, I caught the, the part of your stream <laughs> where someone says we should do a, a gathering of mini sticks. Yeah. And they mentioned uh, Lego and Hockey Guy, and you nicely threw my name in there too. So maybe a game of twos. And I love what you said. You said, if it's hockey, like mini six, you said you'd clean up. And you made a reference to, especially if you have to bend down. And I get it. You and Lego are in your early 20s. I get that I'm 47. Who knows how old Shannon is? Actually, he might be my age. He just looks way older. Right right okay. But don't tell him I said that. <laughs> um, but I love what you said is, <laughs> If you have to bend down and go low, but I did like how you threw well, uh, his name and not mine. So I thank you for, for that restraint. Yeah, I, He doesn't know who I am. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. That was good. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you want to go over here? I mean, I guess it sort of brings us, you know, to the defense side where, yeah. um, you know, people were asking me on, on my stream today during the draft, like, what would you project as the Canucks defensive groupings? And mm. I couldn't really do it because Nate Schmidt is such an unknown at this point, right? We don't right. know if, you know, if the Canucks can line something up for a second round pick tomorrow, right? And clear up a bunch of cap space. Do they take that, True. right? Do they jump on that and, and get that done? Um, and in that case, you know, if that happens, well, suddenly we're, you know, we're taking who's basically our number two defenseman and getting rid of him this year. So if you're able to do that and maybe you're able to get, you know, more of a shutdown guy or something, because... Yeah. Because the Canucks' biggest defensive issue hasn't, it's not offense from the defensive zone, especially now, right? OEL and Nate Schmidt, you have two guys, and Jack Rathbone and Quinn Hughes, right? Four guys who are offense first. The Canucks might need some some Jordy Ben types to try, like, but better to, uh, to maybe help on the defensive side a little bit. Cause as we add to this offense and yes, Jason Dickinson's going to be a nice piece defensively, but he's not out there all the time. He's going to play like 15 <laughs> minutes a night. Uh, yeah. the Canucks are going to need some guys to help Thatcher Demko. 
Yes. Um, Jim Benning was talking about how he wanted um, more strength and size on the back end. And Eggman Larson, he he's, he's, he's doesn't play small. Like he, he's fine. His size is fine, but you're right. What else are we going to do on the right side? Isn't it funny by the way, Parker, how things have changed in a year. I, I was excited when we traded for Nate Schmidt. Get, we only gave up a third round pick and I was really excited. I almost bought his Jersey without even seeing yeah. him play a game. And then imagine if he's not here this year. Yeah. I don't, I'm not against Nate Schmidt uh, yeah. by any means. I think he had an off year this year and I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of good reasons for him to have had an off year. Yeah. Um, the season kind of sucked for the Canucks, right? Like all around, <laughs> there were so many bad things that just happened around the team. So, yes. so if you're going to have a bad season, like it makes sense. And you're, you're coming from this Vegas team that was so good. And like on the cusp of winning, uh, winning multiple championships, really, uh, mm-hmm. to then come to this Vancouver team that has, uh, the pandemic, like as the pandemic hits, there's no fans in the stands. The team has a disastrous month of February and they're out of the playoffs before the season even really begins. Uh, yeah. So if I'm Nate Schmidt, you know, every memory in my head of coming to Vancouver is negative right now. Right. So I don't blame him. If he's thinking, I want to go somewhere else. I want to go somewhere. I have a better chance to win. Um, but if I'm the Canucks, look, I, I, I don't think betting on a Nate Schmidt bounce back is a bad idea. Right. I think, you know, it was the worst year of his career and there was a bunch of external factors that reasonably could have led to it. So if Nate Schmidt truly wants to go elsewhere and the Canucks are able to find a good fit for that, then by all means, that's fine by me. He has every right to want the best for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But if either the Canucks aren't able to make a move that uh, is good enough for the, for the, for the Canucks to warrant it, or Nate Schmidt is okay with staying uh, with the team for this year and, and can, you know, sort of regain that step, you know, fans in the stands and actually traveling around. And um, then, yeah, I, I'm not against keeping Nate Schmidt on for this year. Yeah. And can you put up Asian goalies comment for me? It's the one for, for yes how are we gonna sign our key pieces way 18.8 we gotta need a trade so here's the thing parker and i think it's perfect we will we will move on to the rest of the happenings we've done a good 30 minutes on this jim benning's not done right and maybe that's the the interesting part is i'm not at all suggesting he's going to flip ekman larson or, or garland of course not but what i'm saying is there are still more avenues to free up money whether it's a buyout of vertanen whether it's trading a guy like holtby and or schmidt so there are ways to in fact create more cap room because once you do Pedersen and Hughes you still have to do a bit more massaging of money so uh it's gonna be interesting we always say that it's interesting to see it's gonna be fascinating yeah. to watch but it is this next week it's gonna be very fascinating to watch yeah I haven't I don't have the exact number for me if it is 18.8 million let's run with that because I haven't like actually yeah. looked I haven't fact checked it um but they need to sign Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and we've sort of decided on our own that it's gonna be that's gonna be around 14 15 million of the cap this year right Let's yeah. say it's 14 to make it easier on ourselves. So we have about yes. five, five million dollars left, right? Jake Vertan and buyout frees up about two million dollars of space, I believe, as well. So call it we've got we got about six and a half, seven million dollars. Uh Connor Garland, we now have to sign. Mm-hmm. Um he's again, I'm thinking around four, four and a half. So let's say mm-hmm. it's let's say it's four and a half. And yep. now we're down to about two and a half million dollars left. And the money starts to run really low there. Who else do we need to fit in under the, under the cap this year? Jason Dickinson, right, a UFA. He's yep. gonna want a nice raise. He might yep. want two and a half million dollars, maybe two million dollars, something like that. And just yep. like that, the Canucks are out of money. Right? Yeah. The Canucks have no more money left. <laughs> so, so what's they, the they gotta what, do something? Yeah. So whether that is Braden Holpe, and we discussed this last week, where if you try to trade Braden Holpe, but like you want to re- you retain half of the salary, 
then you're suddenly not saving money because you have to bring in a backup goalie who's going to make a million or two. And right. then, you know, your money's out the door. Um, yeah. And that's where, you know, you start to get into the Nate Schmidt scenarios, right? Well, where maybe he's just the right move because you can bring someone in that can at least fill that spot for two and a half, three million. And then you have that extra money to go out and actually like try to improve your team a little bit further. Yeah, that's true. Actually, in your scenario, if you even traded Nate Schmidt, brought in a guy half his price, then you have that three million to get your your fourth line center and and yeah, okay. I, I think uh, I think we made it very clear by going through the numbers, going through the outlook. That uh, interesting trade got Twitter Canucks Twitter buzzing, got the league buzzing until the Seth Jones trade kind of overshadowed that one. But still, a uh, lot to dissect, a lot to digest. And uh, it was only the start of a busy day in the NHL. Yeah, let's move on um, <laughs> to that trade uh, because I, I tweeted out, I said, Stan Bowman coming out making Jim Benning look like a god uh, because, <laughs> wow, what a trade that they make here. Let's pull it up here. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets trade Seth Jones away. Now, Seth Jones has been rumored to be wanting out of Columbus and rumored to be in sort of the trade uh, the trade talks for a while. And Seth Jones is kind of similar to Oliver ekman Larson, where really high draft pick, really high pedigree coming into the league, uh, tore the league up in his first couple of seasons, and recently he just hasn't been good, right? Yep. Um, analytically, he's been uh, really bad uh, and, you know, just on a real decline. Chicago goes out and says, we like that guy. We are going to trade the 12th overall pick in the draft, a first round pick next year as well, which could be anything. Yeah. We're going to trade Adam Boquist, who we picked eighth overall three years ago, yeah. and a second round pick in return for Seth Jones and 31st overall. Call 31st overall in the 2021 second, basically a wash, right? It's gonna be like 10 picks, 20 picks, whatever. Yeah. Um, so basically you're, you're, they're trading Seth Jones for three first round picks and that's not even the best part because then they got to sign Seth Jones to an extension and they go out and they say, well, we could, you know, we could sign him for, for not very much money because he hasn't been very good lately. Or we could go out and sign him to an eight-year, $76 million contract on a defenseman who is clearly on the decline. Uh, that's a, wow. a wild, wild move from the Chicago Blackhawks. So all the money that they saved uh, by giving it the Duncan Keith to Edmonton, they're now putting into Seth Jones, basically. Yep. And look, I think Seth Jones will be better than Duncan Keith this year. Yeah. Maybe. But he's, you know, they're also paying him... Way more nine, money, actually, yeah. nine and a half million dollars. <laughs> That's an absurd amount of money. Remember the, I mean, you look at the Duncan Keith contract, which for the purposes of what they did it, they made it long-term so they could win in that window that they had made sense. Yeah. Brent Seabrook, same idea, but that contract is also a mess uh, at this point. Right. But they were in, when they signed those contracts, they were in their prime. They had Taves and Kane in their prime. They were a true Stanley cup contender. They're not a true Stanley cup contender right now. Right? They're a pretty yeah. middling team with two guys in Kane and Taves who are nearing the end of their careers. You know, yep. They're in their mid-30s, basically. Uh, and they go out and they trade away their young defenseman who has some promise mm -hmm. uh, and two first-round picks for uh, an aging defenseman who has struggled uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, and they have younger guys who are not bad in Debrinket and Kubalik and stuff, but they're, they're not Kane and Taves, let's put it that way. So... <laughs> 
Yes, this team's in trouble. And they actually started off last season quite well. Uh, they had that hot rookie goalie who mm-hmm. can't remember his name anymore, but I had him in my fantasy league. But they Lankinen, right? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Okay. So they were actually pretty good and they fell off near the end of the season. But uh, yeah, this this is nuts. This this trade is crazy. Yeah, it doesn't it just doesn't it just doesn't work in the like it doesn't pass the smell test for me. It's it's yep. so much money. Um I mean, where'd they finish last year? They had uh Where's Chicago? Am I blind? Were they even in the NHL? Yeah. So they went, uh, they had 24, 25, and 7 last year. So just under 500, um, 55 points in 56 games. Uh, yep. That's not going to cut it. Uh, and adding Seth Jones is not going to be the piece that gets you over the top no. to make the playoffs. I don't, I didn't hear anything about this pick being lottery protected, the 2022 first. Right. But I could reasonably see the Chicago Blackhawks finishing around the same. Uh, as last year, yeah. you know, being, you know, maybe 10th, like around 10th in the lottery odds. Could you imagine if, if that pick goes on and like wins the lottery or <laughs> two in the lottery? And now they're talking about, oh yeah, Seth Jones, uh, he was okay for us last year. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, crazy. Seth Jones better play good. Play good. Okay. What else yes. we got? Uh, I know we got a lot got? to um, let's talk about, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, another, mm. another defenseman traded for way too much. Um, yeah. Rasmus Ristolainen has been bad lately. Uh, again, yeah. he puts up points. So lots of people go and they look at that and they're like, oh, he puts up points. And then people look at the analytics and it's like, all right, he's got like a 3% wins above replacement third percentile. So almost the worst in the league. Um, and people look at that and they're like, yeah, but he plays for a bad Buffalo team. And it's like, yeah, yeah. but so do a lot of these other players. Um, like Sam Reinhardt and Reinhardt's like 70th percentile or something, right? The, they account for this stuff. The, the people putting these analytics together, they aren't dumb, right? They're like, mm-hmm. let's just punch all the numbers in. It's good enough, right? They, they check their work. Um, Rasmus line and fetching 13th overall pick. Um, and then, a, a low end roster player and a, and a third, um, for Buffalo. Yeah, Restelainen, I've always followed him a little bit only because he was drafted the same year as Horvat. And, you know, they signed, they had to get new contracts at the same time. And it was one of the comparables they were using. But yeah, he um, he's not that good. <laughs> you rarely hear anything good about him and his play. And it sounds like he's been wanting out of Buffalo for the last little bit. So I don't know much about this Hag guy, but I know 13th overall. Was that the 13th that happened today? Yes. Oh, okay. What did they get? Do you have a list? Uh, no, I don't have a list. <laughs> okay, me neither. Oh, here. No, 13th. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Yes. It was actually 12th because the, or maybe it was actually 14th. 14th. Isaac Rosen, yes. right winger from Sweden. Yes, and I had I saw lots of things that projected him around the 18th pick, and I saw some things that projected him around the 100th pick. So oh, uh, oh. very polarizing in the draft circles. But yeah. they go out and they get a young rookie for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, who uh, is clearly um, not going to be too long for the NHL, I don't think. Yep, fair enough. All right, I don't think we have any new news on this one, but Buffalo trading Sam Reinhart also to the Florida Panthers. I just searched for it. I have no new news. Um, there's still no details coming through. I'm looking through Twitter. Everyone's like, someone yeah. please, like, here's a here's a tweet, waiting for Fridge to drop the Sam Reinhart trade. So we don't know <laughs> what's going to be the, the return, but he's going to Florida. Let's go to another trade that happened. Uh, goaltenders, a goaltender yeah. swap. This one is a uh is a direct indictment on the uh on the carolina hurricanes ownership group in my opinion 
They trade away a goaltender who got Calder votes this year in Alex yep. Nedeljkovic, who looked really good. I think he had a 927 or something like that this year. Um, and he wanted a $3 million contract. Um, and they said, well, we don't want to pay you that much money. So mm. we're going to send this promising goaltender of the future to Detroit for Jonathan Bernier and a third round pick. Could you imagine if Thatcher Demko comes out and, and has a, has a pretty decent season and, uh, and he wants his, you know, 5 million, five years that he got yeah. and the Canucks look at that and be like, yeah, we don't want to give you the money though. So we're going to, we're going to send you off for a not as good goalie, but we're getting a third round pick back. So it's okay. Uh, I don't, I don't get what Carolina is doing. Clearly they don't have faith in Alex Nedeljkovic and I don't know why that would be because he looked excellent. Oh, he was great. Um, and Detroit, Steve Eiserman basically gets a, gets a, a goaltender upgrade for basically free. So uh, unless my eyes are deceiving me and I do, sometimes that happens. I'm looking at cap friendly Carolina hurricanes. They have no goalies under contract. Um, yeah. James so, Reimer and Peter Mrazek are UFAs, right? Yeah. So Tiger put this in the chat. Oh, very uh, good. They already told Mrazek and Reimer that they wouldn't be re-signed. So their only goalie is Jonathan Bernier at this point. And I think he's a UFA if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. they have, they have five days to sign him. Yeah. Uh, and who knows if they're going to even be, they had to, I think Detroit had to include him to make the salary work or something like that. Um, but who knows if that's going to like, if they don't sign him, then they have no goalies. So my thought was, well, they're going to need Braden Holtby, but they didn't want to pay Nadelkovich $3 million. They're going to want to pay Holtby 4.3. So, uh, no idea what Carolina is doing. Uh, the ownership group that came through and said, uh, we're here to spend money. We're here to build a contender. Uh, and they said all that stuff when they matched the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. And mm. now they come through and they're not willing to pay who could be a very, very good goaltender in the future. Yep. $3 million. Maybe they're going to sign their ebook, David Ayers or something to a yes. very cheap contract. That's the play. Yeah. Bring back <laughs> David Ayers. Uh, and then you got a, you got a guy who can, who can clean the ice for you. You're, you're okay. Good. All right. Well, another crazy, right. none of these, tra- these, all these trades are weird, man. Yeah, I haven't found one that is like, oh, that works for both teams. Yeah, right? there's usually like they're pretty clearly um, kind of bizarre. They're, lop- so, they're lop- and lopsided. Absolutely. What was fu- what was really funny is right after this Ristolainen deal went down, which was for a 13th overall Hag and a 2023 third, this trade comes through where the Rangers trade Pavel Buchnevich, who is yep. a very good hockey player, but yes. he's Russian. So I, uh, you know, GMs don't like the Russians apparently. <laughs> uh, for Sammy Blay, who is a good, pretty. Uh, depth roster player, good third liner, uh, and a 2022 second round pick. And my first thought was, how was this the best they were able to get for for Buchnevich? Yeah, and it's funny, Buchnevich. Remember that crazy rumor, Buchnevich for Horvat? I think we even talked about it. I think on yeah. Wednesday night, Horvat's so they're worth a lot more than Sammy yeah. Blaze in a, yeah. in a second round pick. <laughs> I think New York was just using uh, Horvat's name to bump. No, that, that's kind of funny. Oh, by the way, can I? Can I drop you my quick Russian joke really quick? It's, sure. Don't worry, it's not, it's not bad. Okay, <laughs> Parker, if you're Russian to get in the bathroom and you're Russian to get out of the bathroom, what are you when you're in the bathroom? What? European. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice, well done. Okay, well done. anyways, okay, so, back, right. so back to the thing. Let's, yes, talk about, um, let's talk about Buchnevich here. Um, Buchnevich is 26 years old. He just turned yeah. 26. So he is young and he is a very good uh, hockey player. 
This last season, he had 48 points in 54 games. He was almost a point a game, wow. 20 goals, 20 assists. The previous year, 46 points in 68 games. This mm -hmm. is a player who is going to be a 60 to 70 point player for the next five years. Um, how, the, how big is he, Parker? Does it, are you on a site? Uh, he's 6'1", so 196, so pretty average okay. uh, for the NHL. Um, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what could could we have done that? Like, <laughs> like sure, we don't have a Sammy Blay. Maybe I saw some people saying like Tyler Mott's kind of comparable. I think Blay is better um, mm. and younger. So I don't know, maybe Mott yeah. and a second and a third. Yeah. For a guy like Buchnevich, if you really wanted to make your team better today, that would have been a heck of a move. I'm so surprised that the Rangers weren't able to get more for this guy. And you know what's funny about Buchnevich too? Um, I've heard his name on more than one occasion brought up when someone says, what's a potential comparable for Puck Colson? So right. given the stats you just said, I would love it if Puck Colson turned into be someone like Buchnevich. Absolutely, yeah. If yeah. you can get a guy who's going to be if, – if Puck Colson ends up being a 60- to 70-point player, the Canucks are <laughs> laughing yes. uh, at that point. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to the next trade. <laughs> uh, Carolina trades Jake Bean uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, we were surprised on Wednesday. I brought this up on Canucks After Dark on Wednesday after the Seattle yep. draft. Why did they take Morgan Geeky and not Jake Bean? Because Jake Bean looks like he could literally be a top four defenseman in mm -hmm. the NHL for years to come. He's 23 years old. He just had his first little taste of the NHL. He looked fine. Yes. Uh, and the Carolina is just able to get a second round pick for him. Um, and again, it kind of looks like one of those things where it's like, they're just, they're just not willing to pay guys, I guess. So Columbus did well in the Chicago trade and they do well in this trade. Carolina yeah. does horrible in the Detroit trade and in this one too. Like, it's yeah. strange. Yeah. Carolina had a pretty bad day. And I mean, <laughs> Columbus had three picks in the first round. They take Kent Johnson, who I was hoping the Canucks would get at nine. Uh, mm -hmm. they took him as early as five. Um, yep. And that is one yep. thing we kind of we kind of glossed over when we talked about the the draft today. When we were talking about this the the big Canucks trade, uh, we mentioned you know all these different aspects of it. One aspect we didn't mention was who the pick ended up being, or at yeah. least who was available. Uh, Actually, Parker, we, why don't we save that? Why don't we end sure. with that along with who the Canucks pick tomorrow? It might sure. be a nice way. I like that. it. Okay. All cool. right. Uh, next thing I want to quickly touch on this signing yep. by the New York Rangers. <laughs> Wait, is a three point six? Oh, obviously that's the money in the six right. years. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, they didn't sign him for three years and seven months. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna pay until February and then you're out of here. No, that's so good. That's good. Barkley Goodrow yeah. is twenty-eight years old. That's a lot older than I thought he was. Uh, but he's twenty-eight years old. Yeah. Uh he his best season, he had 24 points in 62 games for the San Jose Sharks in 2019-2020. And this last year, had 20 points in 55 games for the Lightning, won the Stanley Cup, got six points in 18 games in the playoffs. He is a fine third liner. Yeah. And this kind of reminds me of the Brandon Tanev signing, where they're signing a guy who's already 28 years old. Yeah. Guys on your like third or fourth line, they do start to decline pretty early. Right? Most players peak nowadays like 24, 25 years old. Right. So you have a guy who's probably already on the decline. He's probably, let's say, you know, four years from now, he's going to be 32 years old and you're going to mm. be paying him three, three million, six hundred and forty one thousand six hundred and sixty seven dollars until the year 2027 for a third round player. Uh, just a bizarre move from the Rangers. Yeah. Goudreau, I believe he won. He scored the game winner when uh, San Jose 
knocked Vegas out of the first round. I re- that crazy game where they came back from that three goal yeah, deficit, five minute major. Yes. Stuff. So th- I do remember him from there, and I, I was kind of interested to see where his career took him. And then obviously he he just came out of Tampa, right, winning the. Uh, yeah, he won the Stanley. Yeah, Cup. he won the Cup. Okay, I had brain fart there. Which obviously made him a lot more money because oh, one, yeah. one of the quotes from the Rangers GM was like, "This guy knows how to win the Stanley <laughs> Cup," and it's like, "Yeah, he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You could you could have put me in the press box for the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. and then I could be like, yeah, I I won the Stanley Cup. I know how to Absolutely. win, right?' It's like, yeah. no, like he wasn't the reason they won the Cup. Sure, he helped, but yeah. he was like." It was Kucherov and Vasilevsky mattered a lot more than yeah, Barkley Goodrow did. There are a few other guys that were good, but uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. I like how you, you should probably have more question marks in the in the banner there because yeah. that that is a little bit nuts as well. So, uh, what you know, if you're not happy with Jim Benning's trade, he's not the only GM that um, had a tough day today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one GM that uh, should be having a tough day. Um, and again, we'll give sort of a little content warning for this one um, yep. uh, regarding the the Logan Mayu uh, draft pick. Um, I was on, I was live when when the Canadians went up when Mark Bergevin announced mm-hmm. this pick, and it made no sense. And everyone in my chat was sort of on the same page, like, "What are they doing?" Right? Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know the story, I'm not going to go too in depth on it, but basically, uh, had criminal issues uh, regarding, um, you know, uh, some some lewd pictures, uh, non consensual lewd pictures that were shared. Uh, criminal issues in Sweden because of this. Um, yeah. Rightly so, there was a lot of backlash. People saying, "Look, this guy's probably a first round talent," um, but you know, there should be some consequences for these actions. Uh, and then he came out yesterday with a statement saying. I'm renouncing myself from the NHL draft, something you can't technically do, but you can say, don't draft me. Um, however, the way the NHL draft works is they can draft anyone they want as long as you're draft eligible. They could draft mm. me. They could draft Clay if they were really <laughs> dumb. Um, but again, I think Mark Bergevin was more dumb than that today. Uh, going out and drafting a guy who they're clearly, like, I, I don't think he'll even ever play a game for them because of the backlash that's going to come through. Um, it was just uh and i have the like my my the banner here for this is montreal shatters their goodwill from their cup run right montreal was the cinderella story that everyone sort of rallied behind right they were this team they were this plucky team that that wasn't supposed to do it carrie price won a crazy run tyler Toffoli was excellent all these players were excellent and then they go out and they draft this kid who has done some stupid stuff and yeah and has told people literally himself not to draft me because you know it's it's supposed to be a celebration the nhl draft and it's a terrible look for the canadians a terrible way for the nhl to end the first round of this draft and did you see when gary bettman was on the podium saying chicago you're up next he was like you could tell he was fuming after that because this is a pr nightmare for the nhl wow wow I've always said, Parker, and maybe it's my outlook in life uh, as well. I think the sports world is very forgiving. You see people, not necessarily just NHL, but NFL, NBA, um, you know, Major League Baseball. You see people do some pretty bad things and get second chances. And um, uh, Montreal released their statement in English and French about how they want to give this young man a chance, right? Uh, and it rang hollow for a lot of people, and, and rightfully Absolutely. so. So there, there's, yeah, this this one, it didn't feel right. And I know uh, I was on my walk. I saw 
Twitter go crazy. I know a couple of people have reached out and, uh, to me directly and just uh, how upset they are. Yeah, this doesn't look good on anyone. I don't. I don't know what they were thinking. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, and uh, just I guess this might you know as this is a Canucks podcast, we did yeah. hear the day that this news sort of broke, uh, like a week ago or so. Uh, that he is on, he was on the Canucks do not draft list, like full mm -hmm. stop. They weren't going to yeah. draft him regardless. Uh, the rumor was that he was, uh, that some teams had them in their second round on their draft list. Montreal thought, well, we can get, we have to get them now because we don't pick till 63rd next round. Yeah. Uh, just a ridiculous, uh, poorly thought out move. If you have to have a prepared statement ready for the draft pick you're about to make, it's probably not a smart pick. <laughs> Um, but anyways, that's all we really need to, to say on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a bad look overall for, for the Habs. Yeah. We'll just kind of track it as it goes, whether, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll just see. All right. Let's talk about day two of the draft. All right. Um, where he cannot get picked anymore. So let's go right. to uh, day two of the draft. Canucks do for now still have a pick. <laughs> we don't know if they will end up making this pick at, uh, at 41st overall. Um, going out there and, uh, there's some good names still available, right? You look at, I mean, I like to look at elite prospects cause they have like all the aggregations of the list. Yeah. Uh, but there are some very, very decent looking players, uh, left on the table. Yeah. And I was watching the end of your stream and you had the two, I think that, that stick out to, well, I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm, I'm sure it is R2 Ratu and Logan Stankoven. Both of those guys, I think we're at the, near the top of your, your, un, yeah, not, drafted but highly touted list. Right. Yeah, so uh Atu Ratti is an interesting one cuz I remember like before he was like this highly touted prospect uh like yeah. last year, right? Where it was looking like all right, next year like he's going to be one of the guys near the top. Uh and then something happened this year where he, clearly he it wasn't the case. Uh so yeah. he's still available. I think on uh the Bob McKenzie board uh he was around I'll see if I can pull it up. Uh, I think he was 20, 28th and he just basically interviews 10 scouts and then aggregates mm. all of their lists. So mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he was 28th. Um, Logan Stankoven is a weird one to me because everyone coming into this draft had said like, like very prophetically, like Logan Stankoven is not going to get picked where he should. Like everyone just said that off the bat. They're like, this guy is like a first round talent and he's not going to get picked high enough. Mm. And you go on Twitter with like, at like the 26th pick, you go on Twitter and everyone's like, draft this guy, draft this guy, draft this guy, draft this guy. <laughs> and no one did. So it's such a weird, bizarre thing that he's still available. Um, yeah. He's five foot eight. So of course you can't draft a guy who's less than six feet tall. That would be crazy. No oh. one under the height of six feet has ever succeeded in the NHL. Ludicrous. Um, no, it's crazy. Um, but I mean, you know, he played in the WHL in his draft minus one year. So for Kamloops in 2019, 2020, he had 29 goals in 59 games. Uh, and then this last year, he only played six games uh, in the WHL, but he had seven goals, three assists. Mm -hmm. uh, and then mm -hmm. he played for the under 18s, uh, for team Canada, seven games, uh, in those, he had four goals, four assists. And I think he really impressed in those under 18s. He was a plus 14 in seven games. Yeah. Um, but you know, height is, is an issue. He's a kid from Kamloops, which is why people are thinking like, okay, well maybe he'll drop to the Canucks. Um, but we know Jim Benning likes his meat and potatoes, uh, and five foot eight doesn't get you a lot of either. Yeah. It's like, uh, chicken and 
Yeah. Very lean. Yes. That was bad. Anyways, you, tried. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny. I think we both screwed up uh, the other guy's name because I know it rhymes, but I screwed up his first name. I think you messed up his last name. So I know his last I name is Ratu, but I, I didn't say his first name right. So oh, is weird. it Atu? It's A-A-T, right? A-A-T-U-R-A-T-Y. Yeah. Right. But I know the last name rhymes with the first name. So oh, it's weird. Atu, but I said Artu Ratu. <laughs> right. Okay. So that guy, that guy, the rhyming yeah. guy. He might be good. And yeah, this Stan COVID is interesting. Um, Jay-Z Productions, I know he's in our chat. He's a, a young vlogger out of uh, out of um, uh, Chicago, does some really good stuff. He's actually interviewed Logan Stankoven for his his podcast, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to go watch. Yeah, I'm gonna, I might watch that before before I, um, you know the the round starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're at 41, right, Parker? So what are we? That's is they start at 33, so we, nine yeah, we're picks. Eight, nine picks in. The ninth okay. pick, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, going back to Atu Ratu, uh, as yeah. you have corrected me on, I'm looking <laughs> at, so Elite Prospects is nice because it does give you a list of every single ranking, basically. Yeah. Uh, the lowest one on here is 28th, and that's Bob McKenzie's, which is an aggregate of some scouts. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but Craig Button had him at 23, McKean's yeah. Hockey at 12, Dauber Prospects at 19. Uh, most of them are high teens, low 20s. Uh, yeah. and he's still available. Now, will he make it that far down? Um, I don't know, but he's a, he's a Finnish center. Um, yeah. you know, he, sure. You can look at him and be like, Oh, he only scored six points this year uh, in 35 games, but it's like, yeah, he's playing in a men's Finnish league. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's, you know, he's not get when you're talking about a, a low first rounder, you're not going to have a guy who's producing year one in the NHL usually. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely some good options, uh, for the Canucks left mm-hmm. at, um, left at third or left at 41. There was one other that I liked, um, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, F- Francesco Pinelli, uh, hmm. elite name. Uh, he sounds like a, a chef. He sounds like he could own a blueberry farm uh, <laughs> oh, with the name geez. like Francesco. Um, yeah. All of his rankings, again, are all like 30 or below. Twenty uh, fourth mm-hmm. on the consolidated ranking, and uh, you know he played for the Kitchener Rangers in his draft minus one year, forty one points in fifty nine games, yeah. uh, and then this last year uh, he played at the under eighteens, eleven points in those seven games, um, and he has an awesome name. So I think what's his uh, last name again? Uh, Pinelli. Okay. Uh, I think the Canucks got to go after this guy. <laughs> okay, so th- thanks to you and gosh, how there's no way I was going to know any second round guys if I could barely name first guy, first round guys. But I'll be looking for those three then: Ratu, Stankoven, and Pinelli. Those are the yeah. three I will look at. Maybe I one chose, of those guys gets to the Canucks after nine. I chose Pinelli almost entirely at random, uh, <laughs> but he was he was the top guy left on McKenzie's board. Okay, and I well, trust, I'll be looking for. I trust Bobby Margarita all day. Um, uh, should we wind up by talking about, I think it'd be great to wind up by talking about the, the nine picks actually, or at least the fact. Uh, so I'll ask you this Parker, once Luke Hughes, once Brent Clark and one Kent Johnson, actually that was the wrong order, but you know what I mean? Hughes, right. Johnson and Clark, once those three guys who I think you'd agree, I think Canucks fans were really had their eye on once they were all gone before Gunther was ticking at nine, were you, did it change for you at all? your view of either the trade or just your disposition, like, Oh, thank goodness. Those three guys are gone. Otherwise I would have been more upset. More the latter, because I think you yeah. look at that and you say, well, the Canucks still took the risk of one of them being available there. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the rumor came out that Arizona really wanted the ninth because they were interested in Kent Johnson and most <laughs> yeah. of the, almost every mock draft you would look at had Kent Johnson going at nine to the Canucks. Totally. Um, and that's again, a lot of people are like, Oh, he's from BC. So he's going to go here. And, uh, I was starting to really like Kent Johnson. Um, yeah. 
So, you know, yeah, you looked at all those names, right? Sort of the top eight were, you know, Owen Power, Beneers, uh, McTavish, Hughes. Those are the top four that went. Kent Johnston, we thought might drop to nine. Didn't. He got picked by Columbus at number five. Yeah. Uh, Simon Edvinson looked like he was going to be a, a defenseman that could go top five. He went to six. And then William Eklund, who um, lots of lists had like top three, top four. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like he could be a real stud, started dropping. And I was like, yeah. man, if Eklund is available at nine, then this yeah. this gets worse, right? Yes. Um, you know, a Swedish kid who is who's <laughs> looked really good. He can skate well. Um, but he got picked at seven by San Jose. And then LA took Brant Clark at eight. And Brant Clark was another one where I was like, man, if he drops to nine, yeah. then again, we're kind of looking at the same thing. And I think my thought was, you know, maybe someone goes for the goalie. Maybe someone goes for Wallstedt uh, or Kosa early. Uh, and that would get just one of those guys would fall, right? Yeah. Uh, or Dylan Gunther, right? Someone would take him early. And we saw a reach right below the ninth, ninth overall. Ottawa Senators taking Tyler Boucher, uh, yeah. Boucher's uh, son. Um, but basically the top eight were probably the eighth best prospects. Yeah. Uh, and at ninth, uh, the Canucks miss out on Dylan Gunther. Yeah, so you're right. The The top nine basically went as we expected the top nine. We've always been talking about the four defensemen and the five forwards. I couldn't believe And the one thing that stood out to me was if you include Luke Hughes in it because he's going to go there next year, four of the top five University of Michigan. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's I was looking at that because I was looking at Kent Johnson stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm going to look at his stats. So I clicked on where it says University of Michigan. Yep. And I look at him like, Oh, Owen Power. Oh, Matthew Beneers. They're all here. Like everyone's here. <laughs> the yeah, entire and Luke draft is here. Yeah, Luke Hughes going there next year. It's so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely wild. That that program is uh, is killing it. We uh, should go there. Absolutely. Maybe we will get drafted after all. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and just to sort of touch on, on Dylan Gunther, the guy that Canucks yeah. sort of missed out on in this trade. Um, he probably would have been who the Canucks would have picked at nine. I would have guessed because most boards had him between like four and nine. Yeah. Um. I mean, you look at his stats. So last year, 2019-2020, he was a point of game in the WHL, which is what you expect usually from guys uh, in the top five, like year before they're drafted, should be a point of game. In like mid-first round, it's usually the year they are drafted. They're about a point of game in the WHL. Uh, Mm -hmm. This year in the WHL, however, they only played 12 games. um, And he had 12 goals and 12 assists in those 12 games for 24 points. So you look at that and you think, wow, this guy looks like a real player. Uh, JD Burke had a tweet. I think it was about uh, Gunther that uh, some teams weren't very high on him because he wasn't very impressive at the U 18s. He had seven points in seven games, but I think they expected more from him and that sort of hurt his draft stock a little bit uh, and made him available for the Arizona coyotes. Yeah. It's interesting Parker with, with this crazy COVID year and a lot of leagues that are shutting down or, or playing massively reduced schedules those international tournaments became, they're always important, right? Cause it's best on best. But this year, the U 18s own power in the, not just the 18s, the world hockey championships for grown men. It, there was such an emphasis put on these international competitions this year because that was some of the only things you could watch. Exactly. Right. Especially this year, right. Where the, you yeah. know, he played 12 WHL games, right? Like, <laughs> like these players who, who go a point a game in their draft years, they have hot streaks where they probably average two points a game for a while. Uh, yeah. So you can't bank everything on that, but you can put them up against, you know, players that should be of their same caliber uh, in like a U18 tournament where yeah. they should still be some of the best there, but there's going to be a little more challenge. And if they don't, if they're not able to step up to that, that can be sort of a red flag uh, Good for point. scouts. Good point. So overall, um, w- were there any surprises for you as we wrap up in the, in that top 
eight, at least the order. Were you surprised, for instance, that anyone went as high as they did? You said Eklund, you're surprised he fell all the way to seven? I was surprised Eklund dropped a little bit. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised. Um, I, I kept convincing myself that that New Jersey wouldn't take Luke Hughes because <laughs> because everything I saw said that Luke Hughes wasn't like he was probably like sixth or seventh best in this draft. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm the Devils, do I want to take the guy's brother? Or do I want to take the best player? Right. Yeah. Part of me saying I want the best player because I want to win. Um, yep. But they did go with with uh, the brother. And I don't know if that's a negotiating tactic uh, in part. Right. If you're thinking, well, this is going to help us keep Jack. Well, maybe yeah. that makes it a little more worth it. Um, and yeah, I, Kent Johnson going number five. Uh, I was happy to see, uh, you know, yep. a Canadian kid from, you know, around the corner here. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he would fall a little farther, but, um, I guess the Columbus blue jackets watched the same highlight package as I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they went I, with that pick. Same with me. I think, uh, and we're talking about a difference of a pick or two. I do think Hughes and Johnson went higher than I thought. And I thought that Eklund and Gunther uh, dropped a bit more yeah. than I thought. And uh, I love how Quinn was making fun of the stench in the New Jersey arena. That was yes. pretty funny. Quinn Hughes <laughs> is not a good public speaker. I love the kid, but man, he, okay. looked, he looked so uncomfortable. Um, I guess the one other, uh, the one other surprise pick uh, that, that really stood out to me was, was Detroit uh, making the move up to 15 or I guess yep. 14 because 11 didn't exist. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they picked and I, and it was like, Oh, if you're moving up, you're probably moving up for a goalie at this point. Yeah. And they didn't go with sort of the consensus. Number one, uh, Jesper Wallstedt. They went for Sebastian Cosa uh, out of, uh, out of Edmonton in the WHL. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that's surprising. And then I went and looked at his stats. Do you know what Cosa's stats were last year? No, but they, they're either going to be really good or really bad the way you're so talking. He's, he's six foot six, 210 yep. pounds at 18 years old. Uh, he played, he played 19 games. They won 17 of them. Okay. He had a 9.41 and a 1.57 goals against average. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. So I think uh, I think a fine pick from Detroit. And then uh, we saw I think Minnesota moved up. Judd Brackett making the move up to pick uh, to pick the goalie Jesper Wallstedt, who dropped right. all the way down to 20. Interesting. And yeah, it's funny that Walstead went at 20 when we were even talking about, would he be the one that kind of sets the the top 10 afire or ablaze with unpredictability? Yes. Yeah, that's the, that was, that was one of the most interesting storylines of this draft for me was you have two goalies who are both going to be really good. Most yep. likely when the first one gets picked, the next one's going to get picked like almost mm. right after. Right. Because if you are, you know, if you're in, in slot four, 14 let's say and you're like yeah we want one of these goalies but we don't really care which one we get and then one of them goes at eight well you're thinking well we got to get up there because if (laughs) we want this guy we're not like someone else is gonna gonna make that move uh and so we saw um we saw minnesota move up two picks to to get wallstead and sort of leapfrog the boston bruins because maybe they were interested with their goaltending woes that they sort of have right now as well Absolutely. So I know I have some homework tonight. I'm going to go look up the Bettman clip where right when he came up right after the Montreal pick, I'm sure I'll find that on Twitter somewhere, hopefully. And then I'm going to look up some of these guys for tomorrow, like uh, Stan Coven, like uh, Atu Ratu and like uh, yes. the pasta guy that you told me about. So yeah, it'll be good. One, one last thing um, yeah. at the, when the, when the draft show opened and Gary Bettman was standing at that podium, did you notice what I noticed? The, it depends what you noticed. He didn't blink. He stared. <laughs> he stared directly into the teleprompter like this the yeah. entire time. Like he was reading off of the teleprompter yeah. uh, every single word and he didn't blink. So I would look down every few seconds. I was typing in my chat or whatever, like looking at stuff. And I look back, 
Still never saw him blink. Wow. And so I tweeted out, Gary forgot how to blink. Some people liked the tweet. And so clearly okay, other cool. people saw it. Uh, and then I, and then I had someone in my chat and they said, I was counting. He blinked twice during his entire, like two to three minute monologue at the start of the draft. It's crazy. That's unreal. The man's a robot. So, yeah. He basically beat the teleprompter in a staring contest. By the Absolutely. way, yeah, I, I told you that. How tall are you? Uh, about 5'10". Oh, I didn't know you were that tall. You look smaller tall. in that sitting in that. Well, <laughs> look at me. I'm five foot six. Although I'm oh, sure I, I look like I'm. Uh, yeah. Well, he, that's my story. I met Gary Bettman two years ago. You know what's embarrassing, Parker? He's taller than me, man. He's taller. He's five. He's listed at five eight or five nine. I'm five six. So he actually had two inches on me. And I realized he looks so small because he's standing next to massive hockey players on skates all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, right? yeah absolutely, for sure. But he's taller he's than me. How embarrassing is that? Yeah. He's going out there handing out the cup to guys who are six, three wearing skates. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, you're five yeah. ten. You know that? Well, I, in my household, that's pretty tall. Uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'll I'm take Asian. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> you're what, uh, in zoomer culture, you would be, you'd be a short King. So, so you can, uh, you can, I'll you take can it with that. Absolutely. Maybe that should be a new screen name. Okay. Short yes. King. Okay. Short King Clay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, probably a good time to wrap up. Uh, we haven't planned ahead really. I guess next week is still July. So we have planned this far ahead. Um, oh, while yeah. we still Age. have you here next yeah. week, Canucks after dark, we will have an episode on Wednesday, July 28th, which will be after the first day of free agency. So mm. folks, Look, we, I know we just had the expansion draft. I know we just had round one of the draft, and we have six more rounds of the NHL draft tomorrow. But the offseason, we're right in the middle of it. Uh, we still have a full, another wild, uh, eventful stuff. Who knows what the Canucks are going to do? There's going to be guys like, uh, we didn't even get to the time to mention, Jujar Kyra being potentially available, not getting qualified for by, by the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. Uh, so UFA season is going to be in full swing, and we'll be with you on Wednesday night to cover it. But... If anything big happens before that, you know where to find both of us. I'm Parker's Pucks on YouTube. He's Canuck Clay on YouTube. You can go to our channels, hit subscribe. We make videos whenever interesting stuff happens. So Yeah, although uh, I am going to change my name to Short King Clay. I like that. Absolutely SKC. right. Maybe search for that instead. <laughs> are you streaming? Are you streaming tomorrow's draft? I don't think so. Me neither. So here's the thing. We've gone pretty hard over these three days. We've had uh, we've each done two streams, so that's four live streams and two shows plus our our two vlogs. You know, uh, our, our, so we've probably done eight to ten videos between the two of us, which right. which is pretty good. I'm just gonna hang out and watch the draft, and I'm actually we're hosting a grad party for for my son tomorrow, so that's what I'm gonna be doing tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm not. I, I might. I'll watch. I'll watch. I have it on if I'm awake, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not. I'm not super. Uh, but I don't, like, again, 41st overall pick, it'll be exciting. It'll be cool yeah. if they make it. Um, but I can also find out an hour later if I need to. Um, so yeah, make you. sure you're subscribed to both of us. You can follow both of us on Twitter. It's all right above our heads there, and it's all linked in the description. Uh, if you're listening to this in podcast form, by the way, thank you. Uh, we're trying to get those podcast numbers up, trying to get on yeah. the charts. Uh, which is And stay on fun. there. And yeah. stay on the charts. So even if you even if you watched us here live, maybe just go download the podcast and just listen to it in the background while you're doing whatever you are doing tomorrow. Uh, it mm -hmm. helps us out, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it out on the show whenever it comes in. Anyways, Clay, any parting words? No, this has been fun, Parker. Uh, two shows in three nights. That's pretty cool. And yes, we will get one more Wednesday because it is, like you said, free agent day. And then we'll figure out if we go back to Mondays in August. But for now, enjoy. Enjoy the fact that we've got stuff to talk about. Enjoy the excitement. And uh, 
Yeah, Jim Benning, never a dull moment when he's leading Jet things. Black Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this concludes our longest Canucks After Dark ever, uh, wow. breaking breaking the 70-minute barrier. There's so much stuff that happened tonight. Thank goodness we add an extra show, because if we had to do all of this next Wednesday and free agency, <laughs> it would have been a disaster. Uh, disaster. It would have been a, a three-hour show. Uh, anyways, thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you next week.